0: I'm Father Michael Rapp. I've been in and out of this parish for a few years in the summers, and so I know a lot of you, and I've introduced myself a number of times, but now I will introduce myself to you at this mass formally because I haven't, I don't think I've celebrated this mass yet. Have I? I don't know, for the regulars, I don't think so. Not yet. So my picture was in the bulletin. That was without my European hair. Um, yeah, the, the picture from back in the seminary days. I've been ordained eight years. I had two years that I spent in um, the northwest corner of Colorado. Um, Craig, Meeker, and Rangeley were our three towns, three churches. So I loved it there. Um, I loved uh, just seeing the grace of God at work in people's lives and um, to just the privilege of interacting with people as a priest. It's a real privileged place. People are very kind to you and they have no reason to do that. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, eventually. Uh, but very trusting. It's a beautiful life. Um, everybody loves Jesus and wants to know Jesus. And you have these special places being, um, yeah, living in the image of Christ. So uh, pray for your priests. Today's, I, there's some intercession for prayers for priests. but. Um, I'm just happy to be here and to continue to see God's work. The last six years I've been in Rome um, with studies, biblical studies, and teaching. Um, I'm writing a dissertation on the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3 and 4, right now. So if you have any insights about that or about Peter, I'd love to hear it, too. So I don't, when, I, when I come newly into uh, a new parish, I like to give the big picture. And just tell the story as a kind of a foundation, so I know everybody's heard that part, um, and then I'll try to relate that to the readings this morning, but I know Father Brian is is uh, into salvation history and scripture, so I'm sure you've already learned a lot of this, so just be patient with me on this one, um, and then I'll, I'll kind of c- pepper it with quizzes because I love quizzes and I'm a teacher, you know, um, and I know how much students love <laughs> Not that you're students when you come here, but today maybe. Okay, so um, first quiz is what is the big picture? What are we doing here and what's our religion about? Now, wa- you've got to like widen the lens way out to the very biggest picture. And I'll just give you this one so you kind of get the idea of where, where my thought goes. Um, I love to think about the Big Bang. Do you ever think about the Big Bang? Now, I don't want to get into a whole lot of controversy here about uh, science and faith and all of these things, but I like to think of all of the plans that went into that and just how amazing it was that this thing uh, creates all this beautiful stuff that we know and this moment. It's a, it's a moment. We don't know exactly what, how that worked. But uh, when I think of the Big Bang, I think of the beauty of creation and of nature and of uh, this, like very complex system of mathematics and rules and all of these things that are fascinating to a lot of people out there. But I also think of it as the moment when there was some sort of decision or thought, uh, because we know as a part of our story, the truth that we profess, that at some point God is God who is a communion of persons, a Father, Son, and a Holy Spirit, this community of love from all ages, existing before creation, this father l- looked at the son and said, wow, I love you so much, I want to give you a gift, says, I want to give you a gift, and then bang, that's when creation happened. It's a gift of the father to the son, I want to give you something beautiful, and he makes everything that is, um, looking at his son, patterned off of the logos, the son, Said something of this will be like an image of you, but it'll be a perfect gift to you. Yeah, God the Father making this universe. So that that's the bang moment, the bang moment. I don't know if it happens sequentially like that. I wasn't there. Uh, (laughs) Surprise. Um, But I I think that's that, that. We know that that's the reason behind it, the purpose of everything that is. Okay, that we are somehow part of this gift given to the sun who's loved so much that God would make this crazy, beautiful thing that is the universe, okay? Um, w- w- within that universe, everything does God's will, everything goes right and is beautiful and harmonious. It's, it's, uh, we see that when we look in the sky. We see that when we look go to the zoo. We see that when we look at the trees falling with this beautiful colors, the sunset. There's moments that we can... Spe- and that human beings are meant to be that absolutely beautiful... Um, even the height of the beauty of creation. Um, But we also have freedom, and we've abused freedom, and uh, chosen not to fit in to this whole schema harmoniously and perfectly, not to do the will of God, or our ancestors did. I think, I mean, I do, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, but our our ancestors have. And we, just as a a human uh, people, we have fallen, Right, We tell that story, and then, and then, and then we say, um, we notice though that, that freedom itself is an opportunity to love. So this was the greatest possibility in all of the universe, was that there was a creature now who could choose freely whether or not they want to serve, whether they want to fit in, whether they want to uh, glorify God, whether they want to serve God, um, or if they want to rebel. And kind of do their own thing, be served, worry about themselves, um, live for their own um, kind of will, plan, ideas, life, um, or to give it. Okay, so the freedom is a possibility for something very, very beautiful, um, the most beautiful thing in all of creation, but it has been abused. So God says, I love this so much, I'm going to win it back, and he, s- he says, I got a plan. I'm going to send my only son. Jesus, Whose, who all of creation was made for, this beloved one, leaves heaven momentarily. It kind of doesn't leave heaven. Go to RCIA and learn about the theology. <laughs> um, a little bit complicated, but that, that God says, I myself will save them. And then Jesus comes to the, into the world, uh, becomes one of us, one with creation, in order to save us and to draw us back to the Father. And in doing so, um, we get this beautiful return of the gift. The Father had given this gift of the universe, and Jesus says, I want to sanctify it, make it beautiful and perfect, and reorder all of the things that are, that are disordered, and then return it to you, Father. Unite it with Himself, this perfect loved one, and then bring it to the Father and give it back. And where we, we, we find ourselves in the, kind of the middle of this story, but on that latter half of the story, that here we are being saved, being perfected. Jesus is at work in the world. He's done the work that's going to save us. Uh, he's working within our hearts to save us, uh, to save the world, and, uh, and to save the world, beginning with his people, his, his people who are set apart, a special people within the world. So that's part of the plan. Part of the plan to save the world and to sanctify the world, make it perfect and beautiful again, restore it, is that God says, I'm going to take some of the people and I'm going to set them aside and I'm going to make them shine like a light in the world. I'm going to make them shine so that other people can learn about God, can be drawn into this mystery and with their own freedom can choose uh, to love Jesus, to be a part of the story, to be a part of the gift to the Father. So who does he set aside? The Bible's got a lot of people who are set aside. One way to do that, to set somebody aside is, uh, we use the word sanctify or consecrate. One way to set them aside was to anoint them. You know who in the Old Testament, the kind of before Jesus came as a prediction for the future, uh, God had asked for people to be anointed, set aside as special people. Who, who were anointed in the Old Testament? Can you think of some of the characters? There's certain characters who would get anointed to be set aside, special in their society. Well, some of them are uh, priests, you know? There's a beautiful psalm about the oil running down the beard of Aaron. Uh, there's kings. Kings were anointed. Think of King David and Samuel going to anoint one of the sons of of Jesse. And prophets were anointed. Well, we're not sure exactly how or when, but Elisha did anoint. So you have these three kind of classes of people. Um, When Jesus came along, he was was all of those, a priest, a prophet, and king. He dies. He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Uh, after he's risen from the dead and he ascends into heaven, he sends this Holy Spirit. And then w- something amazing happens. It turns out that uh, everyone who receives this Holy Spirit suddenly transforms from whoever they are, kind of nobodies, into priests, prophets, and kings. As soon as they receive the Holy Spirit through baptism. Now, how many of you have been baptized? Most? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, That means that God is working his plan with your life. That God has transformed you, set you aside for his work, not not so that because he knows that you're going to be perfect, not because he he, uh, thinks that you're better than anybody. He does love you, and that's part of this plan. But it's also a plan for the redemption of the whole world, for the restoration of the whole world to take this gift of creation, make it perfect, and then give it back to God. So he's made you, he's given you a mission, a share in his mission and his identity as priests, prophets, and kings. Let me read this thing from the uh, baptismal rite. So, So Jesus told us to baptize, to use water, and to baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we're washed clean, of all of our sin, of original sin, and any of our, of our other sins. Um, we're made perfect. We're sanctified. That fall is reversed in that activity. We die and rise with Jesus. And then the priest anoints us with a, an, an oil called the sacred chrism. This is a special oil. I have some here. Yeah, it smells really good. I don't know. Maybe that's relative, but it <laughs> smells good to me. It's got balsam in it, so it's got this special smell. And uh, yeah, it's oil. It's thick. It's usually olive oil base. Um, so when when the priest anoints right after the baptism, they r- read this prayer: "God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has freed you from sin." given you a new birth by water and the Holy Spirit, and welcomed you into his holy people. He now anoints you with the chrism of salvation. As Christ was anointed priest, prophet, and king, so may you live always as a member of his body, sharing everlasting life. Your your identity has transformed. You become a priest, prophet, and king with Jesus. The Catechism of the Catholic Church I brought a library <laughs> has something similar to say um, and it adds something about the mission uh, the baptized have become living stones it says in um, article 1268 to be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood by baptism they share in the priesthood of christ in his prophetic and royal mission they are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation god's own people that they may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Baptism gives a share in the common priesthood of all believers. So we find out that our mission is to glorify God, to speak to the world the good things that God does. Um, We're supposed to be kind of a light. Jesus says you are the light of the world. I I like imagining the shine that comes off of the soul after we're stained with this chrism, the beautiful chrism. Have you ever had a stain? I got a stain in my. Uh, I had a stain in my truck. I haven't had my truck for a while. Um, it's been six years while I've been in Rome. I haven't been able to drive that sweet F-150. But uh, it had a stain. It had an oil stain on the seat, and it's impossible to get rid of. Impossible to get rid of. The scriptures talk about two kinds of stains. One is the stain of sin. And we know that with baptism, that's washed away. You say, oh, we can't get that out. I can't do anything. I, I try everything I can to change, to be perfect, to not have sin. I can't get that out, that stain. But Jesus can, and it's quick with baptism. Every time we go to confession, the stain is gone. Um, these little stains and smudges that come to, in life, when we come to communion, they're gone. And Jesus replaces it with a much more important thick stain of the, the shine that comes from the oil of baptism you walk around and your lives are shining everyone out there is looking for God everyone wants to be a part of that story they're made for that story to be a part of this love story of the holy trinity to share in that to share in the meaning of uh, the person of Jesus this one who is loved to be loved that way and then to love that way to love another to love the father so we're, we're, we're brought into this mission. We're anointed as priests, prophets, and kings, each one of you. And the readings tell us just a little bit about how that works. You should be asking yourself, well, what does that look like in my life? How am I a priest? How am I a prophet? How am I a king or queen? How does, how does that look in your life? Do you think about that? This is part of our primary identity as Christians. So I just invite you to think about that. The readings help us a little bit. The first reading comes from, um, this is the, just the gospel book, that's not going to help me. <laughs> uh, the first reading is from the prophet Jeremiah. How many? Uh, he's one of the major prophets. How many major prophets are there? You got it. Four major prophets. Who are the other ones? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Did you get those? They're, they're long books, so we call them the major prophets. Uh, How how many minor, that that implies that there's minor prophets, how many minor prophets in the Old Testament? Should be 12, okay, the 12 and 4, 12 and 4, all right, I'll just keep quizzing you, you'll get it, Uh, it looks like you've been reading your Bibles, Uh, Okay, so you got Jeremiah. One one cool thing about Jeremiah is that when he's prophesying, the people are being destroyed. His people are being destroyed. They're being sent into exile. He's suffering. All the people are suffering. And Jeremiah says, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the sorrow of the people, he says, hope in God. God's going to bring you back. Now, the people eventually throw him in prison. They kill him. They don't like this message. Don't preach good to us when everything's disaster. People are really suffering. At this time, there were people dying. There were children dying. There were, there were people who were losing their homes. They were losing their, their, uh, their, their families, being separated from their families. There's a terrible disaster. And he says, God is promising to bring us back. Keep up your hope. He even says rejoice. Rejoice right now. That's a prophetic message, one of many. But you can ask yourself, who can I preach the good news to? Who can I preach hope to who's in the midst of sorrow? And how can I maintain my hope? How can I put my trust in God so that I maintain my own hope when I get into crisis, when life gets really hard? And it does. It does for most of us at times. So you hold out hope. And when you suffer that well, when you stay open to God, when you pray, you're taking time to pray, to be quiet, to listen to the word of God, you will have a bold message to give, a message of hope to give to the world. Uh, And it'll transform our suffering. It transforms our suffering into into an opportunity to glorify God. Not that we want that, but suffering comes and you can't get rid of it. So we find an opportunity to glorify God, speak hope. That's one way to be a prophet. How about to be a, um, what are we doing, king? Prophet, priest, and king. So, priest should be short too. That's like Mel- Melchizedek in the second reading. This is from Hebrews. Talks about Jesus is a perfect priest because he knew suffering because he suffered things willingly, and what what came from that was that he can sympathize with other people's sufferings because he accepted his own sufferings. You know that w- that's what a good priest does. He can, he can relate to people, he can love them, he can understand suffering and then bring their suffering to the Lord. Not try to fix things, not try to, not, not, not be afraid and avoid things when they, fought, when they run into suffering, but to, to, uh, to love someone in suffering, to help them, truly help them. That is to bring their cause to the Lord. That's one exercise of priesthood and Jesus invites you to exercise your priesthood, to sympathize with people, to accept your suffering, knowing that it's going to make you sympathize better, make you a better priest. You know, To offer the best help that you can, but to know that the best help that you have to offer is prayers to the Heavenly Father. Offering their lives, offering their sufferings, helping people that way with your prayers, with your life. Okay, finally, we have a king. Jesus the king comes up on Jericho today, and... Um, If you're a good Bible reader, you know that something important happened in Jericho. You remember what happened in Jericho in the Old Testament? You have this, oh, yeah. You know? Jericho. What happened in Jericho? Yeah, the wall came down. There were the trumpets. There was this great battle. And the wall came down because the people trusted in God. Um, God had promised that they would move into the Holy Land. And now they were coming into the Holy Land under the leadership of Joshua. Here, Yeshua, Jesus, uh, an image of the new Joshua, comes into Jericho, and the people are expecting that he's gonna triumph over this land, that he's gonna become the new king and replace the, the, the kings that are, and that the world is gonna become this perfect place. What does he do? He does something very humble. He heals a blind man. Now, part of the responsibility of the king was to lead people, to lead them into battle, uh, to win, win battles for his people and to be victorious, to lead them to glory. But another, another role of the king was to judge cases and to show mercy to the poor. And he, he, he recognized the injustice of Bartimaeus' blindness. And he said, as king, I'm going to exercise authority over this and show you mercy. That's what he says, have pity on me, son of David. Jesus, son of David, that's a sign for the king. That's a name for the king. Have pity on me, and Jesus does. He shows him pity. Now, this, is, this might be a strange connection, but I want to bring it up because we're moving into November. I, one, of the, one of the roles of the king, one of, the, of your roles sharing in the, in the royalty of Jesus is to care for the poor. It's to care for the little ones who need help. And that can be hard from time to time. We don't know exactly what to do for the poor. We don't know what to do for those who are suffering. One thing is to pray for them. One thing is to try to help them as best we can. And then another part, and this might seem a little pedantic to bring up, but uh, is to exercise your role in, uh, in society, in politics. I know a lot of people are frustrated with politics uh, for various reasons. I think that's part of politics and being a human being, but uh, we live in a democracy where we can actually um, kind of make our opinion known, exercise some some authority, exercise some influence on how society is run and bring peace. So I just invite you to, to kind of recognize that as part of your Christian mission, that our engagement with the politics over this next month is not just something to get frustrated about and to, You know check our boxes but something we can pray about lord how are you working how can i exercise my role as a king in this world in in a helpful way for society you know i think it can transform that process someone recommended to me that you have a catholic party she said that she has a catholic party where they talk about the issues in catholic social teaching and the the issues on the ballot at that time Um, i thought that was brilliant um, that's a good suggestion. At least talk to somebody about what does it mean to um, influence society as a Catholic in this particular way. Um, there's a lot of other ways to help the poor. I hope you're helping them on the streets. I hope you're helping the poor in your own families and at work. Um, but that was just one uh, little suggestion. Okay, do you see the big picture of love? And we're coming back. The world is coming back, and he's working through, uh, through us, through Christ. Who lives in us. Okay, good luck with your mission, <laughs> priests, prophets, and kings. Um, it's a joy to be here with you and, and to see that the Lord um, is shining his light here. Um, it's been a great light to me already, and I know um, is uh, a great gift to this area of Denver. Let us stand and together profess our faith.